This is listener-supported WFHB Bloomington, Bedford, Ellisville, Nashville, Community Radio for South Central Indiana, online at wfhb.org. Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm William Hosea. Welcome back to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning show in our 12th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. Hey, I'm Leela Randall, and in today's broadcast, you'll also hear our perspective on what's relevant in the African-American world of news and local events of interest, all in the next hour on Bring It On. Little election greeting from uh, Leela. <laughs> but first. You may have heard Hillary's opponent in this election say that there's never been a worse time to be a, a black person. I mean, he missed that whole civics lesson about slavery and Jim Crow. And <laughs> but we got a museum for him to visit. So. He can tune in. (laughs) We will educate him. He says we got nothing left to lose. So we might as well support somebody who has fought against civil rights and fought against equality and who has shown no regard for working people for most of his life. Well, we do have challenges, but we're not stupid. We know the progress we've made, despite the forces of opposition, despite the forces of discrimination, despite the politics of backlash. And we intend to keep fighting against those forces. With less than 24 hours before the nation decides who will be our next president, the race, as expected, has tightened. Depending on what poll you consider, both candidates, Clinton and Trump, can be in a statistical tie, or as much as six percentage points separates the two. Aside from the exchange of personal attacks that have occurred throughout the course of this race, the excerpt you just heard from President Obama captured the feelings of many African Americans toward candidate Trump. On the eve of our national elections, we at Bring It On are devoting some time to listen to share our impressions on both candidates and listen to a few short testimonials. We also joined by our producer, Clarence Boone, and contributor Eric Love for some conversation on the relevance of this race within the African-American community. Welcome, everyone, to Bring It On. Eric, are you there? I'm here. Awesome. Good to hear from you again. Eric, good to hear your voice. Thank 
Likewise. So, so, so when you're coming back? <laughs> oh, he likes it there. He's jet setting all over the world. He's not coming back. You no, know, I love it here, but I miss all of you so much. And this show, this particular show, when we talk about politics, is one of the things I miss the most. So thank you so much for inviting me to be here. Absolutely. Well, that, that clip we heard from President Obama, he was addressing uh, back in September the Black Congressional Caucus and took the opportunity to, as he's been doing as of late, uh, take Donald Trump to task. Uh, Donald Trump raised a lot of eyebrows when he began to court the African-American vote, uh, going to church, uh, getting religion, I guess, and uh, rocking to the choir as they sung and uh, having pastors smile extra wide as he was at their pulpit. But anyway, um, we've come down, down now down to the, uh, the eve of the national election. And the comments the president expressed, to me, I feel captured the sentiment of a lot of black folk. And I may be wrong. There may be some Republican uh, Trump supporters. I think there were some blacks. I think Donald Trump did reference there is my African-American over there. So I think there's some that are out there. Um, but nevertheless, we Amarosa. Can, uh, Amarosa. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's like a rare breed, but they're out there. Um, but I thought, and, I, and, you know, on the eve of the election, we, we had to have some conversation about this. So. I'm going to pause right now and ask our co-anchors if, if you have any reflections or op- observations. And Eric, please, by all means, chime in. I know we're paying for this long-distance call, so we want to uh, you know, utilize you as much as possible. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, let, let me start off by saying uh, President Obama always hits it out of the park when he goes after Donald Trump. I mean, he really he really took uh, great delight in roasting Donald Trump at the uh, correspondence dinner. Some of his best jokes were about Donald Trump. Can you imagine a debate between those two? <laughs> I, I would, Good question, hi, Eric. I would, I would buy uh, tickets to that. <laughs> I, I would buy the CD, man. <laughs> I'd get the bootleg CD. <laughs> what do you have to say about that, Eric? Yeah, I would, that debate would be like Dennis the Menace trying to debate Obama. <laughs> like... <laughs> Intellectually, there's just no no comparison. So, um, yeah, you know, what an interesting interesting election. Uh, I'm worried. I am really really worried. But never in history have we seen someone who hasn't who's ran for office and didn't release their taxes. He kept saying, "We're going to release them. We're going to release them." He had no intention of releasing them. Um, so that that's a major issue. Um, just the sheer divisiveness, the racism, the sexism, the xenophobia, the um, Islamophobia. And like he said himself, he could shoot somebody in Times Square and and he still wouldn't lose voters. That's right. For some reason, he struck a chord with um, some American voters. And uh, there, yeah, so how... He made it as the Republican nominee. I have no idea how he's made it this far. Uh, I would say that I've talked to a lot of Republicans, and most of them are extremely upset that he hijacked their party. Um, so, yes, that's, that's a little commentary. Um, Republicans are actually mourning at the moment themselves. <laughs> well, you know what? I, for one, have zero sympathy for them. 
that their party was hijacked, and, and I don't feel sorry that Donald Trump was the one who hijacked it from them because they stood idly by, and they created this whole mess by their hatred and obstruction, and now they want uh, that now they're, they're trying to make some sense out of it. But even now, they're still going off the cliff like, like lemmings. They, they, they can't stand up for what's right. They still support this guy. Yeah. You know? So I, I have no sympathy for him whatsoever. You know, I look at the emergence of the Tea Party, and if that didn't raise any red flags within the party, uh, the leadership, then um, no wonder Donald Trump can just ease by and just get in there. And I looked at the primary debates. I, I saw some clips of vintage debates uh, with the 17 candidates. I believe there were 17 at one point, yeah. and um, none of them took him on directly. They were they were very uh, tentative, and they're challenges of him they were almost uh polite and courteous and just gave him passes on everything and he just one by one uh took them if, down if you if you recall whoever did challenge him or went after him then he would go after them and they would be out of the race within a week or two so yeah. he just knocked them out one at a time one by one whoever went went after him then he would focus on them and you know, so that's why people were, uh, at first, they just didn't, didn't think he had he had a chance. So it was more of a joke. Then once he started gain gain momentum, whenever anybody went after him, he would go back after them, and then they would be out of the race. So, um, yeah, nobody really had a chance. Uh, I just think that it's. I think that they were pretty much caught off guard. He's never really been a politician. And so his way of fighting them or attacking them, mostly in a personal type of environment, I think that took them off guard. And they, I feel that they thought that the way that he attacked them, that that would actually turn voters off. But what it ended up doing was actually turning voters on, you know, that he's saying what he feels. He's, you know, shooting it from the cuff and, you know, he's being honest because he, you know, calls somebody, you know, talking about somebody's appearance. And, and I have no idea why he of all people with his fake tan and crazy looking hair has the nerve to sit back and talk about somebody else's appearance, which nobody calls him a task. And he'll just say, if somebody says anything about his hair, he's like, oh, that's already did that, done that. You don't have to talk about my hair. But it's ridiculous. I just think that because he's not a politician, they just thought that he would um, he was coming off as crazy. But they little did they know that that's what actually the Republican Party, the people that you know, he's a, he is representing representing actually wanted that. You know, um, I'm going to jump in because we've been talking about the Republican nominee and and, and our next audio link. We, we have the, the Republican nominee himself uh, sharing his um, opinion and his position. So I think our engineering crew has that ready at this time. Ladies and gentlemen, I am officially running for President of the United States, and we are going to make our country great again. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. 
They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. But I speak to border guards, and they tell us what we're getting. We need a leader that can bring back our jobs, can bring back our manufacturing, can bring back our military, can take care of our vets. Our vets have been abandoned. And we also need a cheerleader. You know, when President Obama was elected, I said, well, the one thing I think he'll do well, I think he'll be a great cheerleader for the country. I think he'd be a great spirit. He was vibrant. He was young. I really thought that he would be a great cheerleader. I don't need anybody's money. It's nice. I don't need anybody's money. I'm using my own money. I'm not using the lobbyists. I'm not using donors. I don't care. I'm really rich. I'll show you that in a second. And by the way, I'm not even saying that in a brag. That's the kind of mindset. That's the kind of thinking you need for this country. Well, there we heard candidate Trump at the time. Um, I think this was when he descended down the, the, the crystal... Uh, um, Staircase. Escalator. Well, the escalator with escalator. with uh, his lovely wife Melania in front of him, and uh, he declared his candidacy candidacy through his wig. I mean, his hat in to the ring. No, she was behind him, always behind. What? No, wasn't he? Yeah, in no, he front? was. He, no, 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 she was. She was behind him. Okay, she's All always right. behind him. All right, and um, <laughs> we, <laughs> we and, and many that. are speculating. A lot of the uh, pundits are saying that with that single. Uh, address that he probably has lost all of the Hispanic support that he could have ever have wished for, uh, labeling them in such a way. And then, of course, we know his trip to Mexico. We we know our, our our sitting district judge that he railed against because he's of uh, Hispanic descent and that he can't give a fair ruling. So, so Eric, a, go ahead. Uh, he's a Latino American, a Mexican American. Graduated from Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana University Law School, who's a member of Kappa Alpha Psi. I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, I'm fraternity brother. So, yes, um, all of that. So I, I do want to make one overarching social commentary real quick. I, I long for the days when Democrats and Republicans just had different ideologies, just had different ways yeah. of spending money or solving problems. Now, because of the, the Tea Party and, I would say, Fox News or Faux News, 24-hour um, um, slander campaigns of President Obama and, um, and Hillary Clinton and even Bill Clinton uh, or anyone who wasn't conservative, um, they just ramped up, up the, the rhetoric so much that it's really created a climate in which someone like Donald Trump could succeed and um, and really be a bully. Um, he bullied the other Republican candidates. What what national international leader in the world can just talk about someone's appearance or um, their family? Like he is an absolute bully. He is everything that's wrong with our society wrapped into one, and he. He's so close to being the president of our our great country. Well, one reason he can talk about people's appearance is because he's the prettiest candidate we've ever had, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> Eric, I want to put a question to you real quick. 
Now, considering this amazing amount of support that Donald Trump has acquired over the past 18 months or so, is it more because of the hatred of current politics or is it actually his appeal? I I think it's a combination of the two. Mm -hmm. I think that there, there are people who are still hurting from jobs leaving the country, going to Mexico and China, including Donald Trump's own tie business and, and dress shirt business. It's, um, you know, his, his products are not made in the U.S. Um, but there's, there are low-income white people who don't have a lot of white privilege because they're poor, who've lost jobs, lost homes, um, can't afford health care. So there, there is a segment of the population that's really hurting that he appeals to. There's also, I think, some racist, white supremacists, and then just some even decent humans who are um, just feel like they're being left out with the talk about diversity and inclusion and, and minorities. So the white males are feeling somehow that they're being left out of the political process and Trump comes along and he speaks to all of those people. And uh, so he's tapping into uh, an anger and a hurt that, it, that does exist and a disillusionment with the current political process and our candidates and, uh, and he's revving them up even more. Uh, we've had the gridlock has existed for eight years because of our first black president. They were so racist, they just refused to work with him, even when he promoted their own agenda. <laughs> Which, right, right. Um, is, is absolutely ridiculous. And I think um, to, the, to the point of treason, you know, when you care about your political party more than your own country, that you would obstruct the president from doing, um, you know, work to improve the economy, to rescue us from a recession, Supreme Court justice. Right. Foreign policy also. Yeah, just to make sure that he didn't go down in history as a successful president or to try to get him from being reelected, which they couldn't do. He got reelected. But they've absolutely obstructed him in historical ways more than any other president had to face. Um, So I, I think that they created Trump. And now they're they're paying for it. I th- uh, I'm hoping they lose big tomorrow. And well, again, this isn't this isn't the Republicans of the olden days where they were just our friends with just different political ideologies. Now it's like these they're hateful. You know, um, they hate anyone who's different, and that's that's what's sad. Um, so yeah, there's so much going on, but I I do think that that Trump appealed to to racists, to people who are sincerely hurting, and to those who are sincerely missing out on on some of the um, economic gains that we've made. Well, I just have two things really to say. The first thing is, it took them forever, and I am so glad that they finally took away his Twitter account. Um, And secondly, um, behind all the rhetoric, you do understand, to me, politically, what he is about. He is about um, again, trying to create Reaganomics and go back 
so I don't even think, because I have a class of students, and they said, well, we want to make um, America great again. And I said, you know what? When you were, you were eight years old, what are you talking about? Do you know? I said, it was great when you, you know, eight years ago. So you weren't even in, in the environment when you were a child um, eight years ago when Obama um, took office. You, you didn't understand what was happening at the end of the Bush era. What I think people, what he's trying to say, he wants to go back to the Reagan eras. But what people forget is that those, that way of thinking, the trickle down did not work. You know, if I could, if I can inject one thing, I, 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 I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But when he uses the phrase, make America great again, there was much debate and conversation about was that, uh, as they may say, a dog whistle phrase for some uh, who harken back to a time when people knew their place and uh, people okay. were limited in their access to uh, opportunity? Because okay. uh, yep. repeatedly he went on and on to say that I am the law and order president, which threw me back to the Nixon times. Um, okay. And not, not that I was so, you know. I- I mean, but, 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 but he, he wants he was, to enforce those laws that did not work, uh, right? Uh, you know, but but t- these you know. but these but these poli- well these proposed policies uh-huh. uh, touch a segment of the electorate that uh, do recall as uh, as as Eric said a time when yeah we did disagree on policy, but there were clear distinctions, and some of those distinctions did hinge on um, uh, really holding back and suppressing because. Who's the party that is really artful at suppressing the vote, and 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 which party is is? I will, we can go on and on, but we do have another link uh, that we want to hear right now, and this is from I believe uh, the other candidate, uh, Hillary Clinton. Now she has done something unique, and I hear you, Eric. I think we'll pause before we go to that link, but but she did something unique before we hear this link, and that is she sort of made an ad out of her announcement for president. But but Eric, you have one real quick. Uh, Add in before we go there. Oh no! I just said I'm ready to start talking about Hillary. <laughs> All right, then let's hear that uh, link about Hillary Clinton. All right. I'm getting ready for a lot of things. <laughs> a lot of things. It's spring, so we're starting to get the gardens ready, and my tomatoes are legendary here in my own neighborhood. <laughs> my daughter is about to start kindergarten next year. And so we're moving, just so she can belong to a better school. Mi hermano y yo estamos empezando un primer negocio. Vaya. After five years of raising my children, I am now going back to work. Every day we're trying to get more, more ready and more prepared. The baby boy, coming your way. <laughs> right now I'm applying for jobs. It's a look into what the real world will look like after college. I'm getting married this summer to someone I really care about. I'm gonna be in the play and I'm gonna be in a fish costume. From little tiny fishes. I'm getting ready to retire soon. <laughs> Retirement means reinventing yourself in many ways. Well, we've been doing a lot of home renovations. But most importantly, we really just want to teach our dog to quit eating the trash. <laughs> and so we have high hopes for 2015 that that's going to happen. <laughs> I've started a new career recently. This is a fifth generation company, which means a, a, a lot to me. This country was founded on hard work, and it really feels good to be a part of that. I'm getting ready to do something, too. I'm running for president. 
Americans have fought their way back from tough economic times, but the deck is still stacked in favor of those at the top. Everyday Americans need a champion, and I want to be that champion. So you can do more than just get by. You can get ahead and stay ahead, because when families are strong, America is strong. <laughs> so I'm hitting the road to earn your vote, because it's your time. And I hope you'll join me on this journey. As I uh, mentioned, uh, Hillary, um, Secretary Clinton took a different tact instead of, um, she did have uh, an open speech with, with a huge mass crowd. It was all staged, but this was sort of a unique introduction of herself and, um, People sort of figured out for months that she was going to run, but how she was going to uh, throw the hat in, the proverbial hat in, people really didn't know. But, you know, you compare the two, you know, yeah, and, and it sounds like, wow, you know, like night and day. Well, that's sort of the way, in my opinion, this campaign is run. Anybody have a thought on that? Well, yeah. I, go ahead, Eric. Oh, I, I was going to say just um, as a candidate, um, Secretary Clinton, I would say that she has been under so much scrutiny for the last 30 years. Um, her entire public life, probably more, well over 30 years, uh, she has been a threat to Republicans. They knew at some point she'd run for Senate. They knew she was going to run for president. And they've absolutely scrutinized every little thing that she has done. Um, and I admire her because she is tough as can she as she can possibly be, she has withstood all of that um, barrage of attacks and and uh, critiques. Um, that's largely partisan politics. Um, you know, four people died on her watch. Hundreds of people died on other presidents' you know other presidents' watches. Thank you. Um, you know, money went missing under Obama's watch. Billions and billions went missing under George W. Bush with Halliburton and their no contest, um, um, no bid contracts. I mean, if we went toe-to-toe, -to -toe, every issue that they're complaining about Hillary, the Republicans have done the same mistakes or the same issues at a much larger level. Um, and they they were silent. They said nothing. It's oh, it's partisan. It's only because it's Hillary that they're trying to make it an issue. Um, Hillary is the hardest working politician that I've seen. She put in her due. She became a senator. She was, like first of all, she was the most active first lady that we had had. Then um, an active in a political policy changing way. Then she became a senator. Then she became the um, Secretary of State. She has put in her time. She is probably the most qualified presidential candidate we have ever had, and she had to do it because she's a woman. Um, and there, there's a meme out there that says, you know, yet again, an overly, you know, a, a, a competent, qualified woman is competing with an unqualified man for the same job. You know, I, I don't think that's true everywhere, but it's certainly true in a lot of places. We still have a sexist society. And uh, she is so overly qualified, and he is so underqualified. Um, and yet they're, here they are competing, down to the wire. And as is the case in uh, 
so many uh, uh, other lower level jobs, he, he could end up getting the job. Yeah. Uh, d- despite the lack of qualifications and her overqualification. Right. And in, in all honesty, has, has he ever <coughs> shared his, his policy on anything? Anytime he was asked a, a policy question or substance, something substantive, he would just say, believe me, trust me, this is going to happen. I will do the best job you've ever seen. But he, I've never seen any specifics on anything. And he got this far without any platform. Oh, he has, <clears throat> excuse me, he has an army of adjectives. It's horrible. It's a disaster. <laughs> you know, and, and he repeats those over and over and over. And, and he substitutes all of those adjectives for anything of substance. When, right. when you start talking about uh, uh, policy or, or plans in particular. Back on uh, October 29, I, I believe he gave a speech where he sort of laid out what he's going to do in the first 100 days. And it, it was he was glued to that uh, teleprompter. Uh, and that was about the first time that uh, I heard him talk of substance, something that someone else, else wrote. But uh, if some of the things he said he would do in the first 20 days, the first 15 days, I mean, there's no way. Number one, uh Congress, his own party, a lot of his members in his own party will not support him. And a lot of it was unreasonable and just way out there. But he threw that out as red meat in a way to the base. But um, I'm I, I'm with you. I mean, it, it, looking at her credentials and looking at what she's had to go through and in, in large part because, yes, she's uh, a woman who um, is forward thinking, ambitious, aggressive and um, was um Unfortunately, there were some some heavy heavy issues back in the '90s when her present her husband was president, and she weathered some storms back then. Uh, a lot of it, to uh, well, was was due to his doing, but you know she got beyond it. And it, as a person who should be evaluated on her own merit, uh, the, the woman brings a lot to the presidency. But do you think that um, this is affecting her? Um, ability to actually win because I think there are people out there who just don't want a woman president. How do you feel about that, Eric? Uh, we already know what Rudy Giuliani feels. Okay, now we want to know what Eric Love feels like. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think we still we live in a there's still sexism, is racism, sexism still very much alive in our country. We are one of the few. Uh, developed nations who hasn't had a female leader as a head of state. Um, you know, England, Jordan, Middle Eastern countries have had the heads of state. Germany, women. Israel. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so we are one of the few, and here she is, the most qualified candidate we've probably ever had. Um, and again, she's not perfect. She has made mistakes. Um, here and there, who hasn't? But the majority of her critiques and the majority of of the condemnation of her has to do with partisan politics. It's picking up on something and running with it over and over and over again to make it look like she's some terrible person when she, you know, she really isn't. She's done an amazing job all along. Um, but it's that's that's what a twenty four hour news cycle does. That's what um, you know scrutinizing someone's life for decades can do is, is 
but she never backed down. So, um, you know, I, I absolutely love Barack. I don't believe, I, I don't agree with everything he did. Um, I like Hillary a lot. I respect her. I don't agree with everything she's done, but she is qualified, and I am feel much safer with her winning the election. I have no idea what to expect if um, Trump were to win. Uh, I have no idea what connections he has to Russia. I know that there's some link there. That, uh, he has encouraged the Soviet Union to uh, intervene with the with our political process by hacking into the Democrats' emails and things like that, like, then that doesn't bother anybody. Um, I, I did see online this incredible post on social media that just said, if Barack Obama had said the same things that um, Trump said, if he'd gone bankrupt four times, if he married a foreign woman who has a thick accent and a background of porn, you know, there's no way Barack Obama would have been elected with the same um, history as Trump. And here Trump is a viable candidate. You know, as we segue into our final link, uh, there's one thing I will say. I, I think the animus toward uh, Hillary Clinton is such that you have agencies in the federal government uh, that have, as they say, mutiny within their organizations. Within the FBI, it's apparent that Comey had no control and was overreacting. And single-handedly, with nine days out, uh, probably through the biggest guided missile at her campaign, but yet she weathered that one. Uh, I think she still holds a six-point percentage lead uh, tonight. It may even be more with the revelation that there was nothing uh, of merit in that second investigation. But uh, to your point, Eric, I, I think uh, she has been the bane of, of the Republican Party for so many years that a lot of them were just waiting with bated teeth for her to run. They had all this stuff. They, they didn't even really get to Whitewater or some of the other things, but um, we'll see tomorrow. Uh, speaking of assertive, powerful, forward-thinking women, we, we're going to end this segment on uh, some remarks from our current First Lady, uh, Michelle Obama. I think we can all agree that this has been a rough week in an already rough election. This week has been particularly interesting for me personally because it has been a week of profound contrast. See, on Tuesday at the White House, we celebrated the International Day of the Girl and Let Girls Learn. And it was a wonderful celebration. It was the last event that I'm going to be doing as First Lady for Let Girls Learn. And I had the pleasure of spending hours talking to some of the most amazing young women you will ever meet, young girls here in the US and all around the world. And we talked about their hopes and their dreams. We talked about their aspirations. See, because many of these girls have faced unthinkable obstacles just to attend school, jeopardizing their personal safety, their freedom, risking the rejection of their families and communities. So I thought it would be important to remind these young women how valuable and precious they are. I wanted them to understand that the measure of any society is how it treats its women and girls. I wonder if we were listening to one of our next U.S. Senators. 
<laughs> well, Lisa I wasn't plagiarized. I, I will <laughs> campaign for her. I will <laughs> her. She is absolutely magnificent. She's beautiful. She's elegant. She's intelligent. She is everything. I love Michelle Obama. She has been a magnificent first lady, and I can't wait to see what she does from here. And graceful and dignified. And yes. she's she's another first lady who weathered uh, many storms from uh, Republicans and, and came out ahead. I think she probably coined uh, the newest phrase for the 21st century when she said, they go low and we go high. Yep. And, you know, Eric, I see you on Facebook a lot, and I can't help but take notice of those pictures uh, comparing Michelle Obama to Melania Trump side by side, yes. you know, yes. and the, the things that uh, that she stood for and she's done in her life and, and, and Mrs. Trump's accomplishments. So I, I think even Republicans, they'll probably never say it, but they they wish they could have another Michelle Obama in the White House. Yes. You know, she she has two Ivy League degrees, her undergrad degree and her law degree. Um, absolutely amazing. Uh, Melania Trump was a model, um, sometimes a nude model, and I'm, I don't begrudge someone's choices. Like I, I, I don't hold a grudge against her for that. Just in comparison, right? You no. Know, if, if Melania was on the Democrat side, they would be all over it. They, they would have a field day attacking her as an immigrant who came to the U.S. illegally. Um, before right. she had, you know, proper immigration status. Um, so maybe the word for the Trump campaign is is hypocrisy. Um, you know, he, he's, he says that he's for the working person, but he's a, a millionaire or maybe even a billionaire. Um, he said that he built, like, this successful business. He was given millions of dollars from his, um, his father to start his business. Um, He's been bankrupt four times. Um, he's had so many failed ventures. He's screwed so many people over and cheated them out of money. Small business businesses who did, uh, you know, work for him or um, built his, you know, golf courses or clubhouses, and then he wouldn't pay them. Or he decided what he would pay them, which would be significantly less than what he agreed on. Um, so he's been able to bully himself in so many ways. Um, into the position that he's in. Um, his his character is not one in which we want our, our children to look up to. Um, if we were to have model, if our children were to model themselves after him, um, we're we're in serious trouble. You know, uh, we could we could go on all night, and rightfully so. Um, but at some point, we would have to bring this to sort of a, an appropriate end, and I think maybe the next chapter. If for some reason, uh, it's hard to even say, man, if Trump world or Trump land becomes a reality, oh man, I'm getting nauseous. But anyway, <laughs> there was projections as far as what his cabinet could look like with Giuliani, um, it would be his family. Gingrich. It would be his family. Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. Um, and, and barring any um, non-indictment, uh, <laughs> Chris Christie. But anyway, that, that's for another day. Um, right. Eric, as always, we want to thank you for joining us. And, and we're going to reach out to you in the, in the weeks to come. Um, thank you for, for your contributions as a contributor to Bring It On. And we 
we, we, we think the world of you and, and we, we miss know, you. We miss you. We know you're doing great work up there at, at our sister institution uh, way up north. And, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll try to, we'll try to get you back into the fold some kind of way. But with that, I, I love, thank you so much. And I just, I just have to say, I am so proud of Bring It On for you to continue the important dialogue, the important news. Um, week after week after week. Uh, I miss you. I have to listen to you on a podcast, but that's okay. Um, but thank you for the work that you're doing and uh, the knowledge and um, inspiration that you, you bring to the black community in southern Indiana. Um, I'm so proud to be remotely affiliated with you and keep up the great work, all three of you, and, and uh, you know the engineers, everybody involved. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you soon. Take care, Eric. I'm sure we'll be uh, communicating uh, on Facebook d- during this uh, election eve and the day of. I, I would go pray. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. <laughs> we want to thank uh, Bringing On producer Clarence Boone and Bringing On contributor Eric Love for joining our evening roundtable to share observations on the state of this presidential campaign on election eve. Bringing On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. As we uh, transition to our next uh, segment of our show, we want to read some excerpts. Uh, President Barack Obama's remarks at the Democratic National Convention. And in part it reads, The America I know is full of courage and optimism and and ingenuity. The America I know is is decent and generous. Sure, we have real anxieties about paying the bills, protecting our kids, caring for a sick parent. We get frustrated with political gridlock, worry about racial divisions, are shocked and saddened by the madness of Orlando or Nice. There are pockets of America that never recovered from factory closures, men who took pride in hard work in providing for their families who now feel forgotten, parents who wonder whether their kids will have the same opportunities we have. All that is real. We're challenged to do better, to be better. But as I've traveled this country through all 50 states, as I've rejoiced with you and mourned with you, what I've also seen more than anything is what is right with America. I see people working hard and starting businesses, people teaching kids and serving our country. I see a younger generation full of energy and new ideas, unconstrained by what is and ready to seize what ought to be. You know nothing truly prepares you for the demands of the Oval Office until you sat at that desk. You don't know what it's like to manage a global crisis or send young people to war. But Hillary's been in that room. She's been a part of those decisions. She knows what's at stake in the decisions our government makes for the working family, the senior citizen, the small business owner, the soldier, and the veteran. Even in the middle of crisis, she listens to people and keeps her cool and treats everybody with respect. And no matter how daunting the odds, no matter how much people try to knock her down, she never, ever quits. That's the Hillary I know. That's the Hillary I've come to admire. And that's why I can say with confidence there has never been a man or woman more qualified than Hillary Clinton to serve as president of the United States of America. Support for WFHB also comes from Bikesmith's Bicycle Shop, established in 1975. Bikesmith sells Cannondale and Giant Bicycles, services all makes, and provides accessories. Open every day 
a half block south of the courthouse and a half block east of the B-Line at 112 South College is where you will find Bike Smith's Bicycle Shop.
search for yeah and Bring Back the Days of Yay and Nay was written and performed by Grammy Award-winning group The Winans. This gospel group is composed of brothers Marvin, Carvin, Michael, and Ronald Winan. There are so many, I have lost track. <laughs> this is Bring It On, the People's Forum for Black Culture in South Central Indiana and beyond. Are you a tweeter? If so, you're invited to follow the WFHB News Twitter account. It's a great way to get breaking news and updates on what's going on behind the scenes and on the air with WFHB News. Simply go to twitter.com and search for WFHB News. Or you can always visit WFHB News' website at wfhb.org news. Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org. It's time. It's now time to bring you the events of interest in the black community for Bring It On. I'm Leela Randall. I'm William Hosea. And first up, the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center is hosting an election watch party Tuesday, November the 8th from 7 to 11 p.m. at the Neil Marshall Black Cultural Center Grand Hall. Free food, pizza, wings, vegetarian and vegan options, desserts, and other snacks. The communities and culture centers, uh, what is that? Units of OVP DEMA. Election night trivia and prizes hosted by the NMBCC Library, study tables, interactive journaling project, live tweeting, game night, spades, dominoes, and board games. Huh, no bid, huh? Sponsored by the BSU. Event staffing and advertising sponsored by the Black Presidents, Cabinet, and Representative Organizations. Okay, let me make sure I get this right because I was never a member of a fraternity. Tau chapter, chapter Alpha Kappa Alpha, Gamma Eta Chapter Alpha Phi Alpha, Epsilon Chi Chapter Sigma Gamma Rho. Did, did I get through that? Hi. Okay. Just this is all. No big deal. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Just in case you need to know this, what you need to vote, what you need to vote in Indiana tomorrow. Hoosiers can vote from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Tuesday in a high-stakes election that would result in a new president, Indiana governor, and Indiana senator. There are also several competitive congressional races at stake. Here is what you need to do before you head to the polls. Know your polling place. Make sure you're heading to the right place on election day. Find out who's on your ballot. Inform yourself before you vote by finding out who's on your ballot. You can learn more about candidates in our election websites. Bring an accepted photo ID. You must bring a photo ID issued by the state of Indiana or the U.S. government when you vote. The ID must display an expiration date and the name displayed must conform to the name on your voter registration. Examples of accepted forms of ID include a driver's license, U.S. passport, Indiana photo ID, or military ID. College students can use their IDs issued from state schools if they meet those requirements. And last but not least, read the Indiana Voters' Bill of Rights to ensure you don't encounter any problems when you cast your ballot. Read the Indiana Voters' Bill of Rights. It explains how you might be eligible to vote if your name doesn't appear on the poll list. The NAACP Soul Cabaret 
the uh, IU chapter, IU branch of the NAACP. December 2nd at Wilkie Auditorium, the Soul Cabaret will serve as a kickoff for the NAACP's annual Adopt-A-Family initiative. Our goal is to raise funds in an effort to support a family in the Bloomington-Monroe County community this holiday season. The cabaret will feature local student artists, including singers, and instrumentalists, poets, and dancers who will render solid entertainment throughout the duration of the program. Tickets will be sold in advance for $5 and at the door for $7. VIP tickets will be available for $10. VIP guests will have reserved seating in addition to receiving a gift or a keepsake. For more info, contact the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center at 812-855-6476. Okay. Um, next generation... Hoosier Educator Scholarship application process now open. The Indiana Commission for Higher Education is now accepting applications for the next generation Hoosier Edu Educator Scholarship at learnmoreindiana.org slash nextteacher. High achieving Hoosier students interested in teaching must be nominated by a teacher or school administrator and submit a student application by December 31st, 2016. The scholarship provides up to $75 hundred dollars each year of college for students who commit to teaching in Indiana for five years after earning their degrees. To qualify for the scholarship, students must either graduate in the highest 20% of their high school class or, or earn a score in the top 20 percentile of the SAT or ACT. To continue earning the scholarship in college, students must earn a three-point cumulative GPA and complete at least 30 credit hours per year. Current college students are also eligible for the scholarship, but priority will be given to high school students. Further, college applicants will be held to the same eligibility standards as high school students, top 20% of high school graduating class, and top 20th percentile on the SAT or ACT. Visit learnmoreindiana.org slash nextteacher for more information and to apply. If you have an event or happening the African-American community should know about, please send the info directly to Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about a calendar item that you've heard tonight, contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org. Support for WFHB comes from the Uptown Cafe, a Bloomington landmark since 1976 serving Cajun Creole and home cooking specials every Tuesday and Wednesday evening, featuring a full bar serving fresh handcrafted co cocktails. That sounds good to me. The Uptown Cafe is located in downtown Bloomington. More information is available online at the-uptown.com. We want to thank our producer Clarence Boone and contributor Eric Love for joining our evening roundtable to share observations on the state of this presidential campaign on Election Eve. As mentioned, our show's executive producer is Clarence Scary Boone. That's his new name, guys. Mm -hmm. With help from WFHB News Department Director Joe Crawford, our news editor is Michael Nolan, tonight's board engineer is Jim Thrasher, our original theme music was created by Jamel Effiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Leela Randall. I'm William Hosea. Thanks to everyone who supported us during the recent fund drive. Be sure to tune in next Monday, September the 19th at 6. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> next Monday. You know, next Monday. You, you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> 
for another edition of Bring It On right here on the community radio station WFHB. <laughs> You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.